The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the second half of the Patricia Raskin Show right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And in this half hour, we are talking about something that I think, I really think is quite important. And I think a lot of us, um, you know, a lot of us deal with, we may not talk about it, it's kind of silent at times, but it's loneliness. My guest is Corey Floyd, PhD, and he's the author of The Loneliness Cure. Six Strategies for Finding Real Connections, and I think it's a very important topic. Corey Floyd is a professor of family and interpersonal communication at the University of Arizona. He has studied the communication of affection in close relationships and its connection with health and wellness for more than 20 years. And his work has been featured on the Today Show, NPR, BBC Radio, and in numerous sources, including Red Book and Women's Health and Glamour. Welcome, Corey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, this is um, a very important topic. So let's, let's talk about loneliness. Why do you think loneliness is so prevalent today? And I think it's almost an epidemic. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Well, you know, when you think about human beings compared to um, some of our, uh, maybe our cousins in the animal kingdom, uh, one of the many differences that really... Um, stands out is that we are a supremely social being. I think for, for humans, the, the need to connect, the need to feel like we belong, uh, like, we, like we aren't socially isolated, but we are attached to a community is uh, really more than just a preference in our lives. I think it really rises to the level of a need so that when mm-hmm. we meet that need, just like other fundamental needs that we have, our need for food, our need for sleep, uh, we thrive. And when we don't meet those needs, um, we suffer as a result. Uh, When we're not getting enough food, of course, we feel that in the experience of hunger. Mm -hmm. We don't get enough sleep. We feel that in the experience of fatigue. And when we don't get enough social interaction or social connection, Mm. We feel that in the experience of loneliness. Mm. Yeah. So what you're saying is this is a real, this is like food, clothing, and shelter. There should be a fourth one in there that says human connection. Well, I really think it is. Yeah. I mean, we have, um, we have uh, sort of evolved to need other people in our lives. And it's not enough, research tells us, just to have people around us. I think many people would explain that uh, they can be surrounded by other people and still feel very lonely. Uh, so it's not just being yeah, around yeah. 
physically proximal to other people, there's a sense of meaningfulness, there's a sense of connection to those people that's missing when we feel lonely. Yeah. And I have, I have felt that, Corey. I mean, I have sure. been in spaces where I just, you know, I'd rather be home cuddling up with a blanket. <laughs> right, right. And being in that space. You know, so, so often we, we equate loneliness with being alone. And uh, the truth is that, you know, many of us can, can be alone, sometimes really enjoy being alone mm-hmm. uh, without feeling lonely. And at the same time, we can be surrounded by other people and still feel very lonely. It's much more about the quality of the connection that we have yeah. with others than the quantity of it. Yeah, very, very well said. So what do you think triggers loneliness, which, as you pointed out, is different from being alone? Yeah. What triggers yeah. loneliness, in your opinion? Well, you know, I think that all of us probably feel lonely from time to time. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, even the most social among us uh, has their moments when they just feel like uh, the quality of their social connection isn't, isn't quite what they want. And that's not, that's not necessarily problematic to feel loneliness just on an intermittent basis. I think the real problem comes when people feel loneliness chronically so mm-hmm. that they feel disconnected from others more than they feel connected and there's any so would you, excuse me, would you call that depression? Is, does that no, not necessarily. No? No. That's okay. a really interesting question. And what the research tells us is that loneliness can lead to depression, but that they're mm-hmm. not exactly the same thing. Okay. So I can feel lonely without feeling depressed, and I can experience depression without experiencing loneliness. One can mm-hmm. cause the other, but they're actually different experiences. And whereas we think of depression as actually a diagnosable and treatable mental health disorder, we don't think of loneliness in the same way. Uh, It's more of an emotional experience uh, that we feel, sometimes for a very prolonged period of time. Um, But we don't diagnose it as a disorder. Uh, Rather, we see it as a deficit. We see it as something that is missing from the quality of the life that we want to have. Yeah, yeah. And so what would you say are some things that we can do to help us get through lonely periods? Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is, is to recognize that loneliness is, um, is normal when we feel like we don't have the quality of connection with other people. And, and I think that's an important thing for us to say out loud and to realize for ourselves that when we feel lonely, that that's not a shortcoming. Um, sometimes there's a stigma associated with being lonely or at least admitting that you're lonely um, because we sort of think of that as a, as a failure on our part. And I think it's important to realize that loneliness is just a very normal a uh, symptom in our lives that we're not getting enough of something that we need in the same way that hunger is a symptom of not getting enough mm. food. Um, so would so you suggest would you suggest calling a friend or going out in nature, you know, that makes you feel good or doing something that you know will make you feel connected? Well, of course, those those all will uh, will vary from person to person and what might work for me to help me feel connected would be different uh, perhaps than what works for you. So I think that's an important second step is sort of knowing yourself. Uh, 
Hmm. And realizing that, again, loneliness isn't just about a lack of communication with other people. It's about a lack of meaningful communication, Mm -hmm. meaningful Mm -hmm. connection. Many Mm -hmm. times we can remedy that um, Mm -hmm. by rekindling relationships that we've sort of let go. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is to say, getting back in touch with uh, friends that we used to feel very connected to, but, you know, our life circumstances have caused us to drift apart. And so I can find a lot of value, a lot of meaning in rekindling relationships that have been meaningful to me in the past. Uh, and then, of course, working to create new such relationships is another strategy. Uh, and that's often an important one for people who are, say, new to a geographical area. Maybe I've just moved to a new city. I don't really know that many people. I can find meaningful connection by going to the spaces that I find meaningful to me. So that might be a church relationship, for example, or it might be in music or in the arts. It might be finding other people who enjoy nature or right. literature right. the way that I do. So knowing not just where I'm going to find people, but where I'm going to find meaning. Mm-hmm. That's really, I, I hate to keep coming back to that no, point, but it's but, such but a it's vital point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like... Um, and I don't know if this is a good comparison, but when you say that, when I think of food, for example, you know, just grabbing something quickly just to satisfy your hunger and you don't even know what it was, you know, right, and, right. You know as opposed to sitting down at a meal where you savor each bite and you really enjoy it. I mean, that's, that's right. kind of how I compare that. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. All so, right. So you know, regular- um, we still have... A few minutes before the break. Yeah, um, okay. What else, what else, we're going to talk about the six strategies. Let's talk about the first one right now in terms mm-hmm. of finding connections. Yeah. So I, in the book, I, I lay out uh, what I think are six uh, fairly well-informed strategies, informed by research, for increasing affection and connection. And the first one that I describe is to be open to receiving affection in the first place. Because one of the things we know about affection is that it's very reciprocal. And so um, if I'm not giving out affection, then I'm not open to receiving it from other people. Mm -hmm. So a good place to start is to think about, is there anything that I'm doing or even anything I'm thinking that is serving as a barrier to my ability to receive affection from other people, such as the idea that, I don't deserve it, mm-hmm. or the idea that uh, I'm well, not worthy enough. And, and sometimes, Corey, let me just add this. Sometimes what will happen is you display that by actually attracting people that won't give it to you, right? That's so right. you'll attract somebody who's not nice or is unavailable and narcissistic or whatever it is. And then you say, well, gee, how come I'm not getting what I need? Well, you're not pulling it in. <laughs> what do you think Why about that? Why do I that? seem yeah. to keep attracting the same kind of person? Right. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, I think step one is a, a little bit of self-reflection, really, and knowing uh, maybe what in your mind uh, have been barriers to finding meaning with other people in the past and then, and then dealing with those. Right. 
Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Corey Floyd. His book is Six Strategies for Finding Real Connections in Your Life. That's a subtitle to the title, which is The Loneliness Cure, which is today, you know, it helps you rediscover the power of socializing in person and finally finding affection that you've been longing for. And Corey Floyd is a professor of family and interpersonal communication at Arizona State University. And I think, you know, this is important, you know, whether you want to get undivided attention from a friend or reconnect with a romantic partner or go closer to your family or folks in the workplace, uh, this book can really provide you some tools to lead a happier and healthier life. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back with Corey Floyd after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel, from maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everybody we are back you are listening to the patricia raskin show my guest is Corey floyd his book is The Loneliness Cure, Six Strategies for Finding Real Connections in Your Life. Corey Floyd is a professor of family and interpersonal communication at the University of Arizona. He studied the communication of affection in close relationships and its connection with health and wellness for more than 20 years. 
His work has been featured on The Today Show, NPR, BBC Radio, Glamour, Women's Health, Red Book, and many others. Welcome back, Corey. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about five of your other strategies. We talked about the first one. What would be other strategies for the loneliness cure? Sure. So the second one that I talk about is really inviting and modeling the type of relationship that you seek. So I made the comment before the break that affection is a very reciprocal behavior. So one of the ways that we invite affection from other people is by giving affection ourselves, uh, by reaching out to them. And I think that it's important for us to, um, instead of demanding connection, demanding intimacy, demanding affection from other people, that we invite it. Uh, and we, one of the ways we can invite it is by modeling the kinds of behaviors that we like. So if you're a particularly verbal person, for instance, and you really value uh, words of affection, words of love, then you can model that type of behavior by being verbally affectionate with the people mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. instead of expecting them to read your mind and know um, particularly what you, uh, what you enjoy. A third strategy is to remember that people show their affection in a wide variety of different ways. And some people, um, I think, have a tendency to feel like I don't get enough intimacy, I don't get enough affection Mm -hmm. from my loved ones, Mm -hmm. because they're only looking for particular kinds of displays. Mm -hmm. And it's easy sometimes to miss uh, the many ways that their loved ones may be showing them affection uh, using behaviors that they're just, they're just not paying attention to. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that affection can come in many forms uh, and being open to the different ways that we show people in our lives how much we love them. Yeah. That is, and, you know, do you think that sometimes it's a good idea to say to people, you know, I wish you had done that, or, or not say it in that way, but let them know how you're feeling, because sometimes people may not be aware of it. You know, Absolutely. they didn't know that by not mentioning you, um, you know, or, or getting excited about something that it upset you. They don't know right. that, so. Right, yeah. Think- no, I, I obviously, as a, as a communication person, I'm a big proponent of communicating about our feelings, about our needs in relationships, but I think it's important to remember that we don't get love and intimacy from other people by demanding it. So I can right. make my feelings known. I can talk to uh, my loved ones about things that they have done and the way that I felt in response. But I need to be uh, inviting their love and their affection rather than coming out and saying, you know, you're going to give me affection in the way that I want it or we're through. Uh, I think most of us don't, you know, we don't enjoy having demands um, placed on us or an ultimatum by a relationship partner. So that's rarely a positive strategy. Uh, But making my feelings known to my loved ones um, can be a very positive way of letting them know who I am and what I value about the relationship that I have with them. By the same token, I think another strategy, I I label this one number four, is remembering that there's really no one in our lives, uh, not a parent, not a spouse, not a child, who is capable of meeting all of our affection needs by themselves. And I think that's important to remember because we 
sometimes forget that, and we sometimes expect one person, often it's a spouse, yes. uh, to really provide all of our intimacy needs. And yeah, when we discover that point. they can't, um, we feel like either the relationship is a failure or they just don't love us enough. Mm. When in fact, that was a very unrealistic expectation to place on them yeah. in the first place. So nurturing a variety of close relationships in our lives, you know, just because we're married doesn't mean that we don't need our friends anymore or that we don't need our our siblings or our parents. Um, I think it's important to remember that various people come in and out of our lives for a variety of reasons. And um, we can give and receive um, a lot of what we need as human beings in, in a wide variety and a wide diversity of relationships. And sometimes we expect, and I've done this, you know, you, you're expecting too much. You want somebody to meet more of your needs than they can. Or right. they've given you something and you wish you'd gotten more when maybe that's, that's what they can give you. And that's I think right. as, you know, don't you think as you get stronger in yourself and more confident and healthier, I think, you, um, you're not as needy. I think sometimes we can be needy. Well, you're actually describing in part uh, my last strategy in the book, which is to be, I say, be optimistic but realistic. Mm. And sometimes we come to a point of clarity when we realize that uh, the person we are hoping or expecting to meet our needs is doing everything that they're capable of doing. And they simply can't give us more. Mm -hmm. And then it's incumbent upon us to make a decision about the future of that relationship. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Rather than continually living in the state of hope that I'm going to change yeah. them eventually. Yeah, and I think that you know that that's not as easy as it sounds. Oh gosh, I, no. Yeah, I mean you no. know, and I've worked at that, and I think I'm I've gotten there most of the time, but yeah. I think it, it's it's uh, it's a hard one because you start thinking, well, how come? How come? And it's not about you. It, right. it, and that's what right. you have to realize. This is their capacity. They don't know how to do more. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, none of these strategies uh, is easy, and they all take effort. They all take practice. Um, But the research shows, I think it would back me up in the claim that uh, to the extent that we practice these things, uh, we are capable of at least significantly improving our situation. So it's a skill, Uh, isn't it? It's a skill. Absolutely it is, just like anything else. And so with practice, we become better at relationships. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who's been married for a long period of time would be the first to agree that they have learned how to do their marriage. Yes, yes. Oh, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've worked at it. I, when I say to someone, oh, you've been married such a long time, how wonderful, and they say, yes, but we've worked at it. We've worked at it. That's right. And we've had to learn what's going to work and, and, and learn from the mistakes that we make. All right. All right. Do you have some, now we've gone through the six, right? Do you have some closing thoughts for us? What would be your, what would you like to leave our listeners with today, Corey? I think what I'd like to leave the listeners with is a sense of optimism, a sense of hope, uh, knowing that if you as a listener feel lonely, um, that it's easy to think of that situation as irreversible. There's nothing I can do. And maybe it's your experience has caused you to feel that way. Um, but it's a curable situation. It's an improvable situation. I think very often we simply don't succeed in um, 
in improving our situation because we're trying things that uh, have failed in the past and, and we just keep trying them because we don't know any better. Um, I think the, the optimism comes from knowing that there's a set of skills, there's a set of practices uh, that can help and they may not be things that are necessarily intuitive, but they're things that, as you said, if you work at them, uh, are going to result in um, an improved sense of social connection. Right. Thank you so much for being on the program. You're so welcome. Thank you. Coy Floyd, stay on the line for a minute. Coy Floyd, Professor of Family and Interpersonal Communication at Arizona State University. The book is The Loneliness Cure, Six Strategies for Finding Real Connections in Your Life. And you can log on to CoryFloyd.com, K-O-R-Y-F-L-O-Y-D.com. Thank you so much again. All right. This wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, or Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources. I have two Facebook pages, Twitter and LinkedIn. And I'd love to send you my newsletter. So write to me, PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next time, have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.